Welcome, everyone, to the Anthony and Todd Show, a weekly podcast that critiques and memes music. I'm your host, Vincent, aka Dan Deacon Batista. <laughs> and um, that's a that's a deep cut joke, deep cut Batista joke. Shut up. Uh, and I'm joined by my ever attentive co-host, my best friend, my pal, my amigo, my droog, Jonathan, aka Bombera Margera. <laughs> Jonathan doesn't get that joke. Nope. I wrote that AK for him, but I think it's a good AK. I don't understand the joke. I don't know who was a bomb. Was it Bam Margera? Bam Margera. I don't know who that is. <laughs> I don't care. Only thing that Vincent said that about him that I recognized was the word jackass in the TV show, but I never watched that show. I just know I also it said exists. Tony Hawk video games. I play like one of them. <laughs> is he a skateboarder? Yeah. Oh, I literally never played as any of like. The ones that were like preset, I always made a custom and then just only played as that character. Loser. You need to play Tony Hawk Underground 2 where you play Shrek. I literally don't give a shit about skateboarding. Like, I, I appreciate, like, the, like, skate punk culture and, like, shit like that. But, like, as far as, like, the actual skateboarding and, like, the famous people in skateboarding, I just don't give a fuck. I don't have the time or the energy to. Neither does the world currently. I also don't like the ska punk music from the games. <laughs> That's I just, do. That, I appreciate. That was my first introduction to Less Than Jake. Those <laughs> games were though my first introduction to um, Motorhead because of Ace of Base was all of the games, and I fucking love that song. Or Ace of Spades. Ace, Ace of Base is Ace a, of <laughs> the Ace of Spades. Otherwise, said Ace of Base. Fucking shitty. Did you ad. see the sign? Did you open up your eyes and saw the sign? Yeah. Uh, this is episode one twenty seven of the Anthony and Todd Show, an episode we would like to call HAM. HMLTD's original band name was Happy Meals Lictos Daily, but then McDonald's sued them, so they had to change it. It's not that far off. <laughs> it was just Happy Meals Limited. Today we're going over the latest albums from Bombara with Stray, HMLTD with West of Eden, Green Day with Father of All Motherfuckers. Motherfuckers. You can't, you can't say motherfuckers on live TV. But they want to anyway, because yeah. they're edgy. Yeah, but I love like how, also, like... 50. They want to be like these super edgy anti-censorship people and then they still censor motherfuckers on their album but then you have bands like Holy Fuck which aren't even in the punk genre <laughs> like just not giving a shit. Green, I'll talk about more, that more when we get to the album but I hate Green Day as a whole. I had to fix your mic. Oh that's okay. I hate I just I don't <laughs> I hate Green Day I hate um I hate Billy Joel. I already kind of explained it to you but I'll explain it more in detail then. And also Dan Deacon with Mystic Familiar. I have the same sense of Mr. Familiarity every time I go into a Walmart. Because it's the same place all across the globe. Each of them are very shitty and almost in poverty neighborhoods. The Wilmington Pike one's pretty good. Fuck it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Is that the one where Max works? Yeah. But also, like, it's actually in, like, a pretty nice area and actually, like, pretty clean and looks pretty nice. You want it, the more, like, mystic familiarity is fucking Steak and Shake. <laughs> Literally, any Steak and Shake you go to ever, it looks the exact same. Yeah, espe especially around this way. area, because they're all fucking closed. Yeah. <laughs> and then, like, Golden Corral. Golden Corral and Steak and Shakes, literally, no matter which one you go to, it looks the exact fucking same. It's, like, the same setup, the same building shape. I'm pretty sure the same workers. Like, I'm pretty sure they've mastered cloning technology to just have, like... All of their stores staffed <laughs> by the same people. My friend and DJ Quest, aka Stacy, uh, used to work at a uh, Golden Corral, and I gave him shit for it. That's fair. <laughs> it's a super racist company. <laughs> He's black. Mm-hmm. So, you know, definitely worth giving him shit over. <laughs> uh, 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 what were we talking about? Oh yeah, music. Uh, be before we start. If you want to follow the Anthony and Todd show on social media, find us at Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at Anthony and Todd. You can find us at YouTube.com forward slash Anthony and Todd show. You can find us at Patreon.com forward slash Anthony Todd show. And if you want to find us on podcast services, you can find us at Podbean, Apple Cod, Apple Cod, Apple Cock, at Apple Cockcast, but also Apple Cobcast. And one has cock, one has corn. Uh, you can also find us on what about uh, Apple Codcast, where you can get some nice fish. Fuck you. <laughs> uh, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play Podcasts. Spotify, Stitcher, and by searching the Anthony and Tacho into your favorite podcast service. listening service, whatever. Listen to podcasts and shit. Yeah. Yo. Are you ready to stray from the from the common path with this new Bombera record? Stray. Bombera didn't stray that much from their path. 
<laughs> yeah, you're right. Like, not to say that it's bad. I really like this. Yeah, it's I good. It was fun. It, they're, 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 I'm just, I guess, summarizing of my feelings. On they're not reinventing their own wheel in any way, shape, or form. But they've kind of created a niche with, like, Western Gothic punk <laughs> that really no one else is doing. So they don't really need to reinvent their wheel because they're pretty much the only band doing this and they've kind of mastered it so they could just kind of just keep coasting until other copycats show up and then they need to start reinventing themselves so like whatever <laughs> uh Bombera is a brooklyn new york punk band with elements of cow punk noise punk alternative and noir uh that lace their discography uh the band consists of read there's a smudge on my phone, so I couldn't read what the first like two letters were. So I was just gonna go Rita. Rita. <laughs> uh, you could have just gone down because they're. I know, but I'm also stupid. I mean, I know that. But. Uh, Reed Bata uh, with lead vocals and guitar, Blaze Bata. You really had such an easier go for the Batista joke because their names are Bata. No, I like that Decon because Batista when he came into the. Uh, uh, WWE, he was uh, Deacon Batista. Isn't his actual name like Dave? Yeah. Then why no, he... but he was a Deacon because he was the servant to Reverend Devon. That's fucking So he, he would like he would have like a metal basket and he would collect donations from fans. What the fuck? Yeah, I know. Wrestling's fucking stupid. It's amazing. <laughs> I'm just going to keep saying this and I'll continue to reiterate this until the day I'm dead. Professional wrestling is fucking stupid. Uh, Blaze Bata on drums and William Brookshire on bass. They put out a fantastic record, uh, Shadow It on Everything in 2018, which had just a great, moody, like, back road, dusty, filthy aesthetic, a huge concept album. Tons of driving drums and guitar work that just kind of lifted you up and carried you through it like like you said like it's driving this is sounds like a soundtrack of like and one does like david lynch shots that he loves so much it's, just like a car on a yeah, dark dusty road the opening shot of lost highway and like he does it in um, one of the episodes of the new twin peaks revival too it's just it's such a driving album and it picks you up and just carries you through like it's dark narrative of it's gothic and western themes it's just so good their album before this one which i don't think you've listened to no. that much um fuck what was that one called Stray's the new one. I want. I keep wanting to say Stray, but I know it's not Stray. <laughs> Fuck, now I gotta look up what that one's called, because every time I try to think of it, I just keep thinking Stray again. But they're Swarm. Lost. Swarm. That's why I keep thinking Stray, because they're single one-word titles that begin with an S. I just, I'm, I'm just yeah. imagining what the album sounds like, and it just sounds like, No, not the beast! <laughs> just for like 60 minutes. Yeah. It's, um, it's a darker, like it's a grimier album than Shao and everything. There's a lot more like filth in the so production. So Skepta? Yeah, like it's still, <laughs> it's very filthy in its production, but it's still kind of got a lot of the narrative themes. But it's more of just like a soundtrack of like desolation and like decrepitcy, like in terms of like cities and stuff. And so like the aesthetic fits, but still filth like that solid Western driving guitar and all that stuff that you got from Shadow and everything, but with less of a narrative through line. So this new album strays moving forward from a concept <clears throat> that was on Shadow Everything and it's more re- more focusing in on like recurring characters and locations mm-hmm. and a recurring theme overall, yeah. which being death and either your how closely we are attached to death and how characters live on the edge of death on the brink of death yeah. whether they're like arsonist and at some point you got to get burned <laughs> there's also like a pretty strong theme of like obsession yeah like so, obsession of people obsession of death obsession of like concepts and themes yeah. the kind of uh, how obsession can kind of just play as a destructive element and things like that but also like Serafina, like, while you have, like, this idea of, like, arson and burning everything down, like, just right around the corner, there's kind of, like, a beauty in the obsession of these two, not to say, like, unwell, but two queerly, like, broken people, like, find each other and they can kind of fill in the pieces for each other. Um, I think this album was very entertaining. Like Jonathan said, I think they don't stray too far from their past material. I think this is a little bit more accessible than Uh, their last one, Uh, um, because their last one was way more... Well, they have moments like Heat Lightning, which sounds like a cut off their last one. It has mm-hmm. that back row vibe, has that constant percussion, that progression energy. Seems like you're just on a long-ass road, yeah. which the track is actually um, 
depicting with the lyricism talking about devil who's a character in this who's also the actual devil mm-hmm. or at least he's just omniant figure that kills people yeah um is just traveling down the road yeah there's like i don't want to say there's like a thorough storyline but there seems to be like a recurring like imagery and characters yeah like you have like death who then kind of shows up again in death croons and then you have like um, he also shows up at the end yeah again with machete and then there's also like constant references of, like lightning bugs yeah. And, like, just, like, these small little, like, beacons of light and darkness. Yeah. And then, like, so there's recurring characters. Also, like, Miracle is on, who's a stripper who, it depicts how these men kind of, like, like, kind of obsess over her. Oh, mm. I forgot to put the album out down. Obsess over her, but also at the same time, it's from her perspective. And mm. then later on, when we get to Stay Cruel, it's from the dude's protect- perspective of him Yeah, basically being completely committed to the idea of her wanting her to stay cruel and wanting her to be mean Mm -hmm. and it's it's from his idea how he views her almost like a god in a sense which is interesting uh you get uh sing me to the street which has the line you know cole was murdered just about one year back while claire had their baby tonight she's drowned it in the bath saying death will find us all later on we figure out the end of machete that uh, Cole was Cole had this girlfriend and outside the window they found like a, their dog ran away mm-hmm. and then the dog was killed by death this mysterious ominous figure which has been set up a couple in yeah. a couple tracks before and he essentially kills the dog and eventually later on kills his girlfriend yeah. and essentially Cole is left with essentially just running away from death yeah. hiding from it trying to escape it as fast as possible and there's then, also like some lines of machete that almost portray like the character of death as like a, a child like the like serial killer child of like the starts of animals and then you work your way yeah. up so it's kind of this weird like thing where, like is death like a person is death like a concept yeah. is death pretty much just the same kind of character that you would expect like a disturbed serial killer to be like what is the nature of like death and obsession but after that instant cool call moves forward finds a wife she's pregnant and then death emerges once again and this time he decides he doesn't want to run away and faces it head on and then assumingly as we found out in earlier tracks he's Mm -hmm. dead because it's inescapable there's Mm -hmm. no there's no escape to it 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 almost marked all of them in a way because he escaped the first time it latched on to the people around him yeah which was interesting um there's some really terrific female vocals on Death Grooms. That's like the biggest like change. This is that's like the premature only major change. I'd say the changes from their last album to this one is this album has more I don't want to say ballads, but like more ballad like moments. There yeah. are these slower, more atmospheric songs, more about like just tone, not so much like the driving like guitar and drum work. They have still those tracks, like you said, like on Heat Lightning. But there's a lot more elements in this album where it's just a slower paced moment yeah. in time like almost it i guess it is it's kind of like a western gothic ballad yeah. instead of like a western gothic like punk album yeah and they have a lot more of those moments on this album that they ever had in the previous they'd have like these like brief like little noise interludes in like the previous ones that kind of set the tone for what these would become but then the other thing is like the amazing female vocals that they've added onto this album which really highlight elements of this album a lot better because they've always had like female characters and, like, female voices in their album, but it was always delivered by, like... Fuck. What was his name? The fir- His first name. Oh, um... My the, 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 uh, Reed. Reed. Like, but Reed has a very distinctly masculine voice. Yeah. It's a very deep, western, gothic voice. Like, there's no real hints of femininity within that voice, so adding a female vocalist to add to those moments when you're dealing with those characters actually helps build up and tell these stories a lot better. Yeah, and especially on Stay Cruel, where it's predicting, it's projecting that, like, angelical nature of of, uh, Miracle, Mm -hmm. and it projects her more as, like, an angel or a god, which really is, I find to be interesting how it's played off in that specific scenario. I like the message behind Sweat, where... He, this guy is talking to multiple characters and he's getting various viewpoints on what death is yeah. and more how the good, the good line on this is. And if you're not sure if you're alive till, if you're not sure if you're alive till the, you feel the sweat burn your eyes and the end character realize he's not dead. He's not in hell because he spills pain. Yeah. 
And that's kind of what the existence of life is. It's just yeah. constant pain. That's Yeah, that's a very, like, bizarre and, like, I want to say poetic way of, like, expressing, like, a very long-standing, like, strain of philosophical thought, um, starting with, like, Schopenhauer. Not, like, starting, but, like, really, like, mainstream consciousness starting of it, where, like, to exist is to suffer, and the existence is defined not by happiness, but by your suffering. Yeah. I think uh, some tracks that I really don't care for on this, uh, Ben and Lily, I think it's one of those tracks where I feel like I just... I don't really understand the point to it. Yeah. And it tells a well-structured story about these two kind of skull-cross lovers that are, are essentially just continue to get themselves in trouble. Mm -hmm. But it really doesn't lead anywhere. Yeah. And I think the same will say I can say about Sing Me to the Street other than that one reference that builds later on. Yeah. But on its own, it doesn't really seem that all that impressive. Yeah. It's more building up the factor of just mood and environment. And I think that's what the tracks do the best out of this is they build up that constant mood and environment. Yeah, that's what this band's always been great, is creating moods and environments within their sounds. Yeah. Like, there's probably no band punk or otherwise right now, in terms of, like, rock music, who's able to create the moods and the atmospheres as deeply and as just all-encompassingly as Bombra's doing. Yeah. Like, even, like, noise bands, like, girl band, we talked about how great their atmosphere was. Their atmosphere was just an atmosphere of chaos. It wasn't really a mood. Yeah, it was textures. Yeah, it, it was, was textures. textures. This it is really spaces. like a mood. This, this sounds like a soundtrack to something you can visualize in your head. Yeah. Like, you, they paint just beautiful pictures with nothing but music. Yeah. Which is incredible. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's all I really gotta say. I think the constant setting really works on this i think mm. the storytelling is a lot of fun i think i like this more than their last one but i think their last one was better yeah i think i think i like their last one better because i do have like just i like fast-paced music more just in general yeah. um but this is still a really good album i do wish they would keep growing their sound a little yeah. bit more because they uh, and it's a little bit more accessible but yeah. it's also a little bit more safe than their yeah. last one but just because it's safe doesn't mean they don't take risks because yeah, I think right. with their lyricism they take a lot of risk yeah. and how the story how these elements of these different stories and characters play out I think yeah. it's really intelligent um, keep in mind those scores if you tell them meaningless right now I think this is a it's like an 8 yeah. I really enjoyed it this is an eight. Shadow and everything, I think, was a better album. I gave that. I I would have given that if we did scores back then, like an eight and a half or a nine. Mm -hmm. This one's it's still really really good. I think it's just a little bit weaker than the last one. Yeah. And moving forward, are you ready to get a, a limited edition Happy Meal? Yes. <laughs> I really. They should really make like the the box set for this album should be like, like an old school Happy Meal <laughs> box of like the big ass eyes and shit. <laughs> <laughs> do you think they could get sued if they don't call it a happy meal or refer to themselves as happy meal limited could I they get I still feel like they would because i feel like they've towed the line so many times <laughs> with their name that like mcdonald's just fucking watching them just waiting for them to slip up to sue them. uh time to go over the latest hmltd album west of eden, eden. uh hm hmltd is a london art rock Post-punk alternative rock band from... Post-punk is just the best label for yeah. them. Yeah, but, but they, like, they have so many other, like, genre influences. Yeah. They're they're a band. Yeah. They're a, they're a band, and they exist within genres. Yeah. <laughs> but they also take influence from elements of trap, new wave, new rave, gram rock. But also new wave. Uh, synth pop's on here. Yeah. J-pop's on here. Western-type music. Pop, yeah. Yeah. You know, Western music, yeah, yeah like yeehaw door. music, well, like to not the country. door, like with that fucking twenty ass. I know, I'm saying yeehaw yeah. music because yeah, it's not country. It's no, like it's, it's like yeehaw music. <laughs> Western. It's called Western music. Western is a genre. <laughs> you fucking idiot. No, it's yeehaw music because uh. it has the yees and the haws. Um, the band consists of lead vocalist Henry Spolowski, guitarist James Donovan, and Duck Pierman. Duck Peterman, bassist Nico Monblanc, keyboardist Zachary Case. Well, Cases. What he, I think he left. Oh, did he? Yeah, he left at one point in okay. the band um, during the process of making this album, which I'll get into more when we talk about. And drummer Achilles Sarnartarius. They have some really uncommon names. Yeah. And I can't read. So I know you can't. It's a perfect storm. Of I could have terrible. helped you, but honestly, this was just really funny. It's, it's just let me fall yeah. into the pit. It was fun watching you fall. 
Are you going to do anything? Are you going to explain more about this man? Oh, are I you thought you were going to talk about their last EP. No, I, I just, I, was, I wrote that there just as a buffer if you didn't want to do oh. anything, but like, I was just going to let you go. I was going to talk about the process of making this album. I was going to let you go over their history that. because oh. it seems like you're very invested in this. Oh, I love this band. Um, <laughs> this is a band that I'm really, really into. I have been into for a really long time. And I've been waiting for this album for a really long time, even though I wasn't aware that they were working on this specific version of it for as long as they apparently have been. Um, I've just been waiting for them to just release music because they had a really weird state for a while where they just weren't releasing anything. We would get like a single every other couple of like six months and that was it. And I was really worried that this band was going to just die and be (laughs) forgotten, which would have been a shame because they're a really unique band. Um, So they formed, um, they've had a lot of weird controversy over their like career for like kind of stupid reasons um um, they've been accused of like queer baiting because of their aesthetic despite none of them being actually gay um so that was like a controversy they had to deal with they were picked up by like a major record label who then just fucked them over every step of the way which caused one of their members to quit like just in the process of making this album they had to pretty much scrape an entire album that they made at one point because they were just told they weren't going to be able to release it scrap not scrape Scrape is just like you take the album and just like you just scratch scrap. it. You just scratch Fine, it. Fine, scrap the album. <laughs> they had off. to scratch the album. They did uh, in order to get that true, true grimy aesthetic. You have to scratch your album. <laughs> they had they, DJ Premier scratched the album exactly. But um, they've just been through a lot of shit lately for really n- no reason. They've just constantly been getting fucked over either by misplaced hatred or their record label picking them up and then dropping them and then just fucking them over every step of the way. They lost a band member, which, you know, for a group as close-knit as they are, that's got to be rough. Um, And they've just kind of been fucked over so much that I'm not only amazed that this album does exist, but I'm amazed how, like, solidly good the album is. This is an album that, if it was bad, would have 100% made sense. Yeah. Because they've been through just so much shit in the process of making this album. It would be understandable if they just kind of tried to get this done so that they could still remain some form of relevancy. Yeah. Uh, I, I So, like, they put out... They're mostly known from their single, Here to the Door, to the Door which came out in 2017, and their EP that released in 2018, he, Hate Music, Last Time, Delete ep uh which had tracks i really enjoyed pictures of you which is really just like a poppy alternative rock song but the music video if you haven't seen it is fucking brilliant and uncanny as shit and it's amazing uh proxy love which also has a great music video yeah they have great music videos just period (laughs) like if you're comfortable with Mild pornography. <laughs> That's what I, pictures of you is. I highly <laughs> recommend watching their music videos. Uh, Proxy Love, which is this huge uh, flamboyant Oh, also ballad. they got kicked off of Instagram, I forgot, because they basically like posted like screenshots from their music video and they were tagged as porn, so they got their Instagram <laughs> account deleted. <laughs> So they've they, yeah they've just been through so much shit like that's also why nobody heard it if you're from a while because they just weren't able to post anything. <laughs> um, also, a mannequin, which is this huge, almost runway like track, which is completely amazing. Yeah, about being in love with a mannequin and wishing that the mannequin could come to life so that they could have like true love, and then randomly switches to like a female vocalist from the perspective of the inanimate mannequin. Their music is fucking insane. It's ridiculous. The fact, it's, funny fact is, I knew what you were talking about, but you explaining it so just better no just like flat just me. yeah that's oh, what it like is. what it is is just <laughs> it is what it is and that's how their music is and part of why i love it so much is their music can either be like these deeply like metaphorical ballads about ideas like um satan low and i or it's just fucking mannequin and they don't give a fuck or you get tracks like flex um, which unfortunately isn't on this well not unfortunately but it's not on this album it's one of their singles that they released where it's literally just about the love of female bodybuilders and how they don't give a fuck <laughs> and how you really shouldn't give a fuck what they do either. It's amazing. This band's great. They're ridiculous. They're over the top. They're incredibly flamboyant. Um, one of the things I talked about about their image is how they grew up in like a very toxically masculine city where 
looking and dressing different automatically means you had to be gay, even though they weren't gay. So for them, like the way they dress and the way they act isn't about being gay or queer in any way. It's purely about just redefining masculinity, which is great. That's yeah. a great thing. Um, so this album, I was really excited for it because I just all the singles just seem completely different and, and so strange. And it's so weird how like far back the singles for this album were being released and knowing the way they made it makes you wonder like did they pull just from previous singles to help make the album or were these planned for the album to begin with but then the album just kept getting fucked over and pushed back like how much of this has been planned out for a long time and how much were they getting fucked over because even when they released it they said like this is an album that's been years in the working so like they've been trying to make this shit forever um I think this... I was really anticipating this album, but I also... First listen... Don't get me wrong, I thought there were spectacular moments. To the door. Loaded. Uh, St. Lowell and I, even though I think it's a little bit long. 149. Uh, both, both Joanna's really jo- good. Both Joanna's are great yeah. on here. And then uh, Death Drive. But something about the layout... I don't know what it is. But I think it's just like... Because this album's kind of all over the place. And it's so flamboyant and strange. And it really doesn't stick to one note. I found it very, like, polarizing. Not yeah. that I thought the music was bad, because, like, even moments like St. Luella and I were, I thought were long, they had that depth and yeah. progression. So, like, anything I didn't like on here, at first, I thought, it, it wasn't because I thought it was bad, I just felt like it was, there was some weird disconnect yeah. that I didn't really understand. Because the, the progression, there's progression, there's risk, mm-hmm. there's entertainment to these tracks but i felt like putting them together is just so strange and like thinking about this album and like re-listening it today i really like this album more as individual tracks in the collection of their sums yeah because when you play some individually and you go over the aspects of what makes like things like the west is dead or uh mikey's song so interesting they're better more looking at them in that context than like listening them to a bunch of other they're, tracks yeah, they're that are placing the whole yeah because every there's moments that are definitely better and way more interesting than things like Mikey's song. Because Mikey's yeah. song is just a plain old synth pop ballad, yeah, which is a really good synth pop ballad. ballad. But it's just it's such a different experience from everything else. Yeah, but when you have that like right after Satan Low on I, which is just like massive like David Bowie s yeah like, glam rock. glam rock song, and then right before. <laughs> Why, which is this weird experimental Japanese vocalized like, which I like. I, I think uh, people are hard, going a little bit too harsh on that track because they acknowledge in the title yeah. the physical emotion you should be feeling, which is why, <laughs> why, yeah. <laughs> and like for a band that is this band, like this is HMLTD. Like if you're jumping into this completely new, you're gonna be confused. But like if you've been following this band, you know that why is a question you're supposed to be asking just kind of a lot <laughs> to be honest like you go in you listen to a song like pictures of you which just sounds like a pretty whatever like it's good but like it's a pretty straightforward alt rock song you watch the music you're just like why yeah <laughs> and like that's just that's what this band thrives on it's just making you kind of go why but like it's a spectacular like it's a show and they kind of recognize it. A lot of what they do is a show. It's an act. Like, he even talks about, like, his vocalization. Mm-hmm. Like, how it sounds like this posh, a little, like, over-the-top, like, sophisticated vocals. Like, he doesn't go for, like, the working-class vocals from where he came from. Like, a lot of, like, modern punk bands go for. He goes for, like, the older, posh, more privileged-sounding vocals. Yeah, of somebody sleeper like, mod vocals. Yeah, he... <laughs> He goes for, like, a David Bowie-esque vocals. He goes for, like, that higher, like, class act. And that's what a lot of this is. It's, like, it's an act. And a lot of what they do is about the act of performing, which means sometimes you're going to be asking why a lot. Um, This album reminds me a bit, and, like, it's not in the same context. It's in, like, how the album, I think, works is the first Gorillaz album. Mm-hmm. Because I, I, I personally really enjoy the first Gorillaz album. I, I know a lot of people don't I care do. for it. But um, I, I think there's just so many ideas that they're cool on their own. Yeah. But when you put them in the album, especially when you have like big singles attached to it, like yeah. Clint Eastwood, it didn't make any sense to a lot of people. Yeah. And I think this on its own, you have huge singles like To The Door and Loaded. And when you get into this, 
it doesn't or, make any fucking any sense. Yeah, or you have like people. Where's Joanna, which has been like their live staple from like the beginning. Like that's this track that like has existed with the band as long as the band has been a fame. And people have been literally like screaming, like, when are you gonna give this like an actual studio release? And to their response to that question was just pure silence <laughs> until recently. <laughs> um so some moments I wanna go over. Loaded is a fantastic just ballad. It's just completely catchy. And uh, currently, uh, in the settlement of where a lot of people are, it's just like fucking them a sell out. <laughs> yeah, and like it's also kind of dealing with the way they got fucked over. By, yeah, like their studio, like they sold their soul to the devil to like try to make it big because they were all really fucking poor, and then they kind of got fucked over too. And then at the end, they're just left still poor, yeah. but their gun is fucking loaded. loaded. <laughs> uh, you have moments like uh, to the door, which has this great. Ballad of Clammy James before it. Yeah. That transitions super perfectly. It makes it even feel way bigger, way more Western esque. It works in that ballad. It's so energetic and surprising. The the little trap interludes, the moody trap abysses that this thing falls into just stick in my head. Yeah. Then you get into like St. Luella and I, which begins with these good tangy guitars that is a void. I preferly think it needs to be shortened a little bit, but the second half when you go into the glam rock, David Bowie-esque material, it is completely brilliant and yeah. completely exciting and bold and unexpected. Um, Mikey's song is a synth-pop ballad that doesn't, like, completely... This is where, like, the flow of the album, I think, just... I, I lose context. Yeah, stops flowing like an <laughs> album and just starts becoming a collection of really good tracks. Yeah, and then why, especially right <laughs> after this, it's just the J-pop is it's good, it's interesting, but it still makes you wonder why. Yeah, <laughs> just, uh, one, like, what was the plan behind this album? A little bit. Yeah, uh, one forty nine has these terrific, grandiose strings that are completely just mesmerizing. Uh, where's Joanna? And has, his vocals, the way he's like so strained, and he seems like. He's literally embodying like that disturbed character that he's writing from the perspective yeah. of. It's just so all-encompassing of his vocals. So that. here's the thing about Where's Joanna and uh, Joanna, those two tracks mm-hmm. combined. So Joanna obviously talks about a guy who's either... I, I got, like, issues of, like, trans, but I also got, like, like multiple personality disorder. Mm-hmm. Which one... I think because the second half leads to more. It's like this guy's completely unwell. It, I think it's supposed to be more along the lines of because like he's talked about he's talked about it a lot is how basically where he lived they would beat out any sense of femininity. Okay, because that's what that's like they talked about how beating Joanna yeah. out of him. So that's that makes sense for that issue. But also like the second track where's Joanna? Well, he also about, like in like one of the last lines and where's Joanna is when he screams, "I am Joanna." Okay, and it's kind of just turns into his whole like thing about how like so, I guess self internalized hatred. I guess yeah. And how like society tries to beat something out of you to the point where it kind of forces you to try to beat it out of yourself. Yeah, and it's, uh, like, the the opening lines of where Joanna just kind of confused me is, I got Joanna's head in my closet, I got her teeth collecting in a little jar. Yeah. It's just that kind of confused me. Because, like, I think I kind of understood where the strings were connecting, yeah. but, like, I just didn't know. I also love, like, the weird line in there when they're talking about whose fingers are like, oh, those are Hannah's. <laughs> like, it doesn't matter that he killed somebody, it just, it has to, it specifically matters that he killed Joanna. If he killed Hannah, that's fine, no one gives a shit. But, like... <laughs> Uh, Nobody Stays in Love is a bassy alternative ballad. And then finally, Blank State uh, talks about... The, uh, Blank State and War is Looming, I think, probably the worst tracks on here, which is... I, which is, I don't think they're, they're bad, still good. Like, but, like, Wars, uh, Blank Slate, I really like the idea of starting new yeah. and, like, having this mass revolution. It reminds me a lot of um, what that track, uh, the Father John Misty track... Uh, someone something revel it's it's like the fourth track on there it's off dark comedy or pure comedy what happens after the revolution i can't remember it's called for the life of me but it's more about that track dealt with like the chaos after revolution how everyone's just bored Mm. (laughs) and like empty inside and i think this track kind of leads to more of a idea of starting new and like the openness and the fear behind it Mm -hmm. at the same time and then at the end war is looming i it's more of talking about how we're almost constantly on the edge of just yeah. war in a sense, but it's also talking about issues of uh, like gender inequality mm-hmm. and how 
men will never know what they're dealing with. Yeah. And how much it almost feels like we're constantly at the edge of revolution. Yeah. Um, and that's all I really say. I really like this album this is, as pieces. Yeah. I think the the curate not the curation because the tracks are good. It's yeah. just the combination of them I just found really strange. I'm like I'm wondering if there's like a way you could like reorder this where it like flows a little bit better without cutting any of the tracks out. I feel like the opening like from West is Dead to Sing Low and I is like really well curated and like organized. But I feel like there's gotta be a way to like transition from the more like Western influenced stuff to more of the like post punk balladry and like bizarre soundscapes from things like Why. I feel like there's gotta be a way to do it just using these tracks, but I just feel like they didn't do it. Yeah. Uh I really enjoyed this though. So yeah. I just think the the the, the layout could have been better executed. Yeah. Uh keep in mind the all scores if you're telling me in this right now, I think this is a eight Plus. Yeah, this is like an A and a half. If they had the album format, it better be like a nine, nine yeah. and a half. Um, and going going from an album we like to two an, albums we like, two albums we really to, like, to an album uh, I want to burn. Uh, time to go over the latest Green Day album, Father of All Motherfuckers. Uh, Green Day is an East Bay, California pop punk band consisting of Billy Joel Osborne. I almost said Osborne. <laughs> Billy Joe Osborne. Yeah. He got uh, adopted. Yeah. Uh, Billy Joe Armstrong on like a vocals guitar. Mike Dirt on bass and Trey Cool on drums. Oh, that makes sense. That's why. No, oh, no, does Trey. Trey, yeah. Okay. I didn't. I'm stupid. Yeah. Also, yeah. I didn't listen to that album because it's. Albums. Why would Why would you listen to three Green Day albums? Like, why? Why would we listen to one Green Day album that's not Dookie? <laughs> You do have a point. Uh, do, do we have to explain what Green Day is? I want to explain, okay, you explain something about Green Day. So there are, within the realm of punk, a couple true punk icons. Just care, like individuals whose place in punk is kind of important, revolutionary. You have people like Sid Vicious and Johnny Rotten of the Sex Pistols. You have... The various members of the Ramones and the Ramones. Yeah. Um, the various Ramones, because they all had the same last name, because they legally changed their name to Ramon when they joined the band. For some stupid fucking reason. You have, like, Patti Smith and Iggy for, like... Iggy Azalea. Yeah, Iggy Azalea. Iggy Pop for, like, <laughs> their pre, like, proto-punk stuff. You have people like um, Jell Biafra from Dead Kennedys. You have Wadi Bukan from The Exploited. Then you have people like Billy Joe Armstrong from Green Day. And you have like just various people, these various like punk icons. Of these icons, most of them I at least appreciate for what they did for punk, even if I don't really like them as people. Um, great example is one of the Ramones is like a very strong right-wing Republican now, yeah. and I kind of hate him for that. But I do appreciate what the Ramones did for punk, which means I kind of inherently have to appreciate what he did for punk. The dude from Bad Brains made an album with Vic Mensa. Yeah, the dude from Bad... Um, <laughs> HR from Bad Brains is very homophobic, but he revolutionized hardcore punk. You have... Um, oh, fuck. I always fucking get his name wrong. Henry Rollins from Black Flag and then Henry Rollins' band, who kind of revolutionized hardcore and post-hardcore. He's kind of a prick in real life. <laughs> of those people, like I appreciate pretty much all of them. Except for two. Those two are Wadi Bukan and Billy Joel Armstrong. <laughs> and here's why for each. Wadi Bukan is a fucking cartoon character. <laughs> he pretty much took punk and it's like social aware moments. Like the fact that it's like it's a countercultural movement. It was supposed to stand for something. And Wadi Bukan took the basic punk and all he took from it was the aggression and the fashion. And he basically created what became called fashion punks. I don't know what that noise was. Either. Yeah. But basically just people who are punks purely for the aesthetic and to be fucking jackasses. Because all Wadi Bukan believes in is nothing. He literally stands for exactly nothing. Pretty much all of his songs can be broken down to fuck insert topic here and never like any real like standing for anything and all he wants to do is get in fights with people 
drink, do drugs, and just be an asshole. Oh, Gigi Allen's another one I hate because he's a fucking like racist, sexist prick who would throw shit at people. Gigi Allen, like, Gigi Allen is like widely accepted from the punk community nowadays to be a piece of shit. Yeah. Whereas like, Waddy still has a pretty strong. Gigi following. Allen was all gimmick. Yeah. Gigi Allen was a gimmick of a <laughs> horrible, mentally unstable individual. Waddy still has like a pretty strong following. Another reason why I don't like Waddy. Waddy is very comfortable with alt right and neo Nazis to an alarming degree. Like, he's, like, gone on, like, public record to say, you know, fuck Nazis because Nazis killed somebody at one of his concerts. That's the only reason he said that. But he's also been seen photographed with members of neo-Nazi bands doing the fucking Heil Hitler salute. He has been photographed with members of a Japanese, like, neo-Nazi band, because apparently that's a fucking thing. I wasn't aware of that. And he used to have a swastika tattooed on his arm, which a lot of people like said like, oh, well, I mean, Sid Vicious also used to wear a swastika t-shirt to piss people off. Like he wasn't racist. Like literally he was like dating like a Jewish girl and she was okay with it because like she understood he was literally just doing that to provoke people because that's what all punk was back then, which still fucked up to wear a swastika t-shirt, period. But like the fact that he had it tattooed onto his body, it's a little upsetting. But the fact that Wadi regularly picked fights of the band's crass, and Conflict, and Dead Kennedys, literally some of the greatest punk bands ever, the bands that, like, did the most for, like, politics and, like, trying to make the system and, like, punk a legitimate, like, thing and a legitimate political movement to actually be, like, admired and to be worthwhile. And he was like, nah, fuck all y'all. I hate all of you. And the people he admired most was Sid Vicious, who was just an asshole, who regularly got into fights of people, and then did heroin and died. And that's pretty much Sid Vicious' entire, like, legacy, unfortunately, <laughs> because he could not play the bass worth shit. Um, Waddy's just a piece of shit. He did also, at one point, get into a fight with Billy Joe Armstrong. Literally the only thing he's ever done I'm okay with. <laughs> because Billy Joe Armstrong pretty much did the same issue that Waddy did, which is he took the bare-bones misunderstanding of punk. Basically, Waddy embodied everything that the right, like... Pearl-clutching Christians fought about punk, where they're just assholes who are violent and do stupid shit and drink a lot. And he embodied all of that. Just all of it. Billy Joel did pretty much the same thing, but for, like, the pop-punk crowd, where he's just a whiny little brat who complains about everything, used to do a lot of drugs, and is just kind of an asshole. (laughs) Because, like, pretty much... Green Day has some decent-ish political songs, some decent-ish political concepts, but most of them are pretty bare-bones. They're anti-flag level of politics, which is to say, not really that deep. <laughs> but pull deep. Yeah, but Billy Joel is also the type of guy who just whines about everything, ever, and he, he misunderstands the concept of being punk is not, like, to stand for something, but to just be kind of a dick. Because, like, he's repeatedly said, like, you know, people say we're not punk anymore, but, you know, you might have taken us out of punk, but you can't take the punk out of us. But really, the only thing that you're doing that you think is still being punk is complaining when you thought somebody took your time slot down at the iHeartRadio Festival (laughs) when they actually didn't. You were just not paying attention. Or when someone tells you, hey, try not to swear at this live televised NHL game and your response is just say the word fuck a bunch. (laughs) Or to post that stupid shit that they did to promote this album. Oh, about- wait, let me let me read it for yeah, you. Yeah, read it read it out. So the 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 billboard. I should have got the graphic. I'll you put it in have. post. But um, no features, no Swedish songwriters, no trap beats, a hundred percent uncut rock. Yeah, so that real shit. rock shit. That, that's how he <laughs> defines being a punk. Is basically to just continue to be kind of just. A, a whiny teenager and he never grew up and he bodied like that era of like stupid punk stereotypes and he fully embodied it and never let it go and that's why i don't like billy joel and why i don't like waddy the reason i don't like green day is uh, also their music sucks uh it's because any green day after i i liked american idiot as a kid because i was stupid yeah uh, i mean same re- i i, I but, didn't but you know but also uh anything they've come out uh in the last like two decades has been terrible has been uh very boring um and they've literally have only got off on the credit of dookie yeah and american idiot and a little bit of nimrod yeah but that's it 
Yeah. They haven't put out anything to fully make their discography worthwhile in the last 20 yeah. years. Like, say what you will about, like, Blink-182, except for Nine, that album's terrible. But, like, post-Enema of the State, they still had some pretty decent songs and tracks. Like, except off for of, California. Except for album. California, and except for Nine. But, like, I'm talking, like, Blink-182's Enema of the State is pretty much... They're dookie. They're dookie. It's the pinnacle of their music. It's the pinnacle of their quality. And it's the album that really pushed them into popularity. Similar to Offspring Smash. Where it has, like, most of their big singles. And, like, most of the, like, songs that people can, like, go to. Like, look, this band was good. Ignore everything else. This band was good. (laughs) But, like, at least after that, they still had some pretty solid songs off of Take Off Your Pants and Jacket. And off of their self-titled. They still had some decent tracks. The album's still hold up decently not nearly as good as in of the state or anything before that but like at least they were still trying after dookie i don't feel like green day was trying <laughs> at least they were trying but they were trying to become popular and make yeah. money and sell which out. is literally the, the whole entire vice of this thing is that it's literally just the most condensed version of all pop rock or all rock in general in the last like 60 years. Yeah. But it, their statement, that little quick fame, hey, what the fuck you got against Sweden? What, I don't know. I don't understand this meme. What that, you- like, I kind of get the no features and no trap beats. It's a super boomery fucking yeah. like mentality to go into for a rock. It's like, well, we ain't got no trap beats. This is just good old fashioned rock and roll. Yeah. <laughs> Completely ignoring that. Like, there's been some like great progress made, not only like within your time frame, like from when you were still like beginning, you forget Rage Against the Machine came out at like pretty much the exact same time that you did. <laughs> like even if in like the last couple of years, great progress has been made in like merging of like rock and punk. Ninety three punk. Except for that album. <laughs> but like you've had pe- like artists like Denzel Curry who can bring in like both aesthetics and merge them very well. You've had slow tie You've had slaves experiment with that. You've had Kenny Beats doing production for bands like Idols, apparently. <laughs> which we still haven't heard what that sounds like, but I can't imagine it's going to be terrible because those are two great artists collaborating. <laughs> so, like, there's been, like, real legitimate progress made on the front of combining hip-hop and punk. Not only for oh, decades, but one thing but you forgot recently. to mention, apparently Ken- Kendrick's making a rock album. Yeah, Kendrick's making a rock album. Is it going to be great? I don't know. Is it going to be good? Probably. Is it going to be interesting? It's definitely going to be interesting. I'll definitely give it that. But, like, I get the whole, like, oh, trip, it's the big thing right now in hip-hop, and we're not hip-hop, we're a rock band. Look at me. Okay, Tim Curry. It. But it's just, it's such a fucking, like, idiotic outdated boomer rock mentality. So here's the thing. They say 100% uncured rock, uncut rock. This thing is not, it's like, it's... This should have been cut. Everything. <laughs> because most of this is pop. Yeah. Most of this is, like, on the border of alternative, and there's one track that is, like, it's very uh, reminiscent of rock and roll, and there's one track that's very reminiscent of garage rock. And there's, like, tracks that straight up sound like Portugal to man. No, they he, sound like the he rips the, the vocal flows of uh, Feel It Still by Portugal yeah. to man, but also Sucker by the Jonas Brothers. Like, you can't call yourself a like, you can't call yourself uncut rock, just period, because it makes you just sound really old and out of touch, which you are Green Day. But just, also, like, which is also a common thing with these pop punk arcs, because we did Blink-182 last year, and they, yeah. they're 50 something they sound yeah. like they're 13 yeah and same thing for this he, he sounds like he's 13 this is and this says a lot but this is the worst his vocals have ever sounded and here's the thing his vocals have never sounded really that good but god damn does this album make me appreciate his vocals in previous albums <laughs> so much more because it's so poorly mixed it sounds so goddamn nasally and grating and atrocious hate his vocal. Um, one thing I forgot to mention, there's rumors flying before this album was released uh, that uh, <laughs> this album was just to get out of a contract and it was literally just like just Here's the ideas. thing. Here's the thing. 
about that mentality. I don't know. I don't you know, know. I haven't who, read it. I didn't check the double check that. That was just a rumor I heard. I have no idea if yeah. it's true. You know who else made albums to get out of a contract? Lou Reed with metal machine music. Yes. And also <laughs> David Bowie with his like experimental Berlin trilogy. He literally made. Oh, was that? I, didn't, I don't yeah. remember that. Because there's a reason like, the that is immediately followed by like his poppiest, most successful like commercial albums ever. So basically, to get off his contract, he made free, really difficult to market, experimental albums, which are some of his like most artistically like contemplating work. Like it's not his best work, but it's interesting. It's experimental. It's unique. It's a period from his work that's like kind of essential yeah. to David Bowie as a whole. But they weren't gonna sell, and that's why he made them to get out of his contract. And then immediately followed up with his like most poppy and like commercial albums ever to just make some money back. Like that's how you get out of a record contract. You fuck over your like contract, but still make artistically interesting music that's just metal not machine music. Metal machine music. It's not sellable, but it's unique and it's interesting. Is it good? I, like, I kind of like metal it machine. It set up music. things, but I don't I wouldn't listen to it. No, I won't listen. I won't like be like, you know what I feel closely to now? Metal machine music. But I appreciate it. I like it. So like this is not how you get out of a record contract unless you're just an asshole who doesn't care about the art that you're doing anyways. You just want fucking money. Green Day. Yeah. And that's all they've been wanting for, like, ever. It's just money. And when you release a track on this album called Take the Money and Crawl, which yeah, is that's what I was gonna critiquing the idea of just going, doing shit for a payday, eat fucking shit, Green Day. <laughs> Your entire career has just been you seeking a payday. <laughs> fucking eat shit. <laughs> oh, my God. So what does this album sound like? Garbage. Garbage, yeah. It's just I already mentioned a bunch of mix of kind of alternative with some ideas of rock and roll, some every, ideas of garage rock at times. But, but every mostly sound just, on here is it, either it's pretty much every sound is its mediocre most mediocre example possible. Yeah. This album is the epitome of mediocrity. Where it doesn't strive to do anything. Musically, vocally, production-wise, lyrically, nothing in this album has any semblance of real effort put into it. Can I say something? Comparative to other albums we reviewed, and other albums, I'm going to give the score I gave. I'm going to give this one. This one, like it, didn't feel longer than it was. Mm. It felt like the 26 or whatever fucking minutes. Yeah. It's not the worst music I've ever heard, but just the concepts, the ideas, the the personality, and the overall just laziness yeah. that corroses out of this, like oozes out of this album, makes it just so, so unbearable. Much more un, like it's so much worse. If this was a band who's just completely inept and not able to make music, and they made something this mediocre, that's fine. At least you can sense they're trying. But this is a band who has made Dookie and has made passable-ish singles off of previous albums. And, like, they're not good, but they're passable. This is just a band not giving a shit and not trying. Yeah. And that makes it worse because, sure, there's getting out of a contract. They're seeking a payday. You know what? A lot of artists do that. But at least they still appreciate art and their art form. Yeah. They're still artists. You are not artists. You are fucking... You are everything punk doesn't stand for yeah. at this point. Yeah. Comparing to some other acts I want to bring up, Blink-182's 9, it still has that, like, edgy mentality of, like, being, like, 50-something, but acting like you're 13. Yeah. But at least Blink-182 at moments tried. Yeah. Even though that album's god-awful. It is terrible. Another album. thing I want to compare it to... The album is an album only me and Trevor like, which I think is actually pretty comparable in some certain sense to this album. But I think in certain sense, uh, that album's definitely better in my opinion. Weezer's Black album. Weezer's Black album was just them making really cheesy and stupid pop rock. Let's see, like with Weezer, they've always had like a hint of self-awareness. They've, they've always been cheesy. Yeah. They've always been stupid. And I think over the lines, it was catchy music that really didn't serve a huge bigger purpose. And it isn't the best out of their discography. But at the end of the day, I enjoyed it because I thought it was fun. Yeah. Was it trying to be something bigger than it was? Mm, nah. Not really, in my opinion. Yeah. 
It wasn't trying to give us political statements like this is like take the money and run or take the money and crawl. And then the end with graffiti, which is I, I don't know much about the scenario. It is it's just currently if, referencing because I know it's when you. OK, that's the thing. This out that song is just kind of insulting. Yeah, because if you're going to tackle a topic like that on an album where you just clearly don't give a shit. Save that topic for an album where you give a shit at but least. But also, it's like one of the poppiest songs on yeah. here. Yeah. And it's not like, like poppy in the sense where it's just like, it feels like he's taking an atrocity and selling it off as an own. Yeah. Which is the worst part about it. So the lyricism on it, on the hook, was another black kid was shot in town, a man with a badge in a daytime show, darkness falls on graffiti. Graffiti? Graffiti. I think it's supposed to be graffiti. Graffiti. A town of, a, a death of a town in the afterglow. And he's just selling that off of his own. Yeah. It's just... That album's... That track is insulting. Yeah. Because to make it as over-the-top poppy as you did, to make it on this specific album, an album you clearly don't give a shit, it's fucking insulting to the real-life tragedies that have made you feel the need to make a track about this. And... It's just, it's fucking insulting. Yeah. That's all that you can really describe this album as. Yeah. It's in bad taste, or that track, it's in, well, this whole album is all in bad taste, taste. and insulting to the listener. But that track in particular is like in bad taste and insulting to society in general yeah. and to the people who are actually affected by this shit. Yeah. Um, some other tracks I want to talk about. Stabbing in the Heart just rips off Elmas and it yeah. doesn't, doesn't, doesn't make any fucking sense it's just why why they're going down more rock and roll because this is 100 pure uncut rock uh me me uh meet me on the roof has this weird like oh 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 shit that sounds like it's trying to do a lot of their a lot of the tracks on the does try to do the weird doo-wop shit uh but it has the line come meet me on the roof tonight girl uh which i thought he was returning to the girl would just push him off and then we would be safe from this album Yeah. yeah uh and then also i was a teenage teenager is their most edgiest it's their edgiest, but it's also their fucking dumbest. Yeah. Uh, I was a teenager, teenage teenager full of piss and vinegar, living like a prisoner for haters. I was a teenage teenager. I'm an alien visitor. Do you know what? <laughs> My life's a mess and school is just for suckers. That is so fucking edgelord material. You are a fucking 40-year-old. I, I think he's 50. 50? I'm, I'm just going to call them 50. I don't yeah, know if they are. If they're 40, old. they're 50. Do you know a punk band that made a good track about like teenage mindsets? Against me with I was a teenage anarchist. Because it's actually addressing how like your mentality grows up as you grow up and how you can still be like... A punk and you can still be kind of edgy and you can still be an anarchist but you grow and you evolve and you become like actually intelligent with the shit you talk about not oh as a teenage teenager yeah no fucking shit everyone was that that's literally a meaningless statement and you adding full of piss and vinegar and all that stupid cliched shit afterwards doesn't make it any more meaningful it's a stupid fucking line it's the dumbest line of 2020. It's going to be the dumbest line of this entire decade, probably. <laughs> and I think we're going to leave it at that. Fuck uh, this album. <laughs> keep in mind, those scores are futile and meaningless, but this one's exact on the money. It's 100% right answer. Uh, right now, at this current moment, I think this is a big, fat, old, zero. Big old goose egg. Don't say that because Fantana will sue us. Nope. Can't say it anyways. Yeah. We keep referencing him. Eventually he'll acknowledge us and our channel will blow up to zero. This is, this is just bad. This is one album where I've heard so many people unify against it. Yeah. Like, like I can't think of an album that was like this. Green Day is a Like, even like things that people were like really heavy on that like yeah. are kind of polarizing, but I, I, in my yeah. opinion, aren't that bad. Like, Speed Bowl to Heaven. That wasn't like this level. Like 93 punks, that wasn't really this level for no. some people, even though it's that bad. Yeah, it's terrible. Uh, s- supermarket isn't that polarizing. It's, yeah. Because Logic has a fan base. This one, Green Day fans think this is bad. That's how you know they fucked up. Yeah. When like the diehard, li- I've heard like, I think one critic who gave this like a semi positive review, and that was still like a three out of five. Yeah. And they're also a critic who like, fucking shits their pants every time Green Day does anything. 
So, like, I don't give a shit about your opinion. On I know what you're day. talking about. I'm not yeah. going to say. We're, we don't want to get in trouble with other people. We want to yeah. be nice and professional. You know who else is nice and professional? Not Green Day. No, not <laughs> Green Day. I'm talking about, of course, Dan Deacon. He, I'm assuming he's nice and professional. He seems uh, like a nice guy. He seems like a nice guy. Like, see his pictures, he just looks kind of like a big old teddy bear of a person. <laughs> he seems like a nice guy. I, <laughs> time to go over the latest Dan Deacon album. Mystic Familiar. Dan Deacon is a Baltimore-based composer and electronic musician exploring the territories of experimental music, synth-pop, and etronica. Uh, I'm not too familiar with this. This was an, uh, an album I heard hyped up a lot up to the release. Mm -hmm. um, we were going to review it a couple weeks ago, but we had to cancel a couple shows because of uh, things, because of time issues. But Life events happen. Life events. But I'm glad we're finally getting around to it now because this album is it's, fucking cool. It's really... This is... As much as I love punk music and as much as I love HMLTD, this is probably the funnest album from this week's set. Yeah. Like, it, the funnest doesn't mean it's the best. No, it doesn't mean funnest it's the best, but it just mean. means that listening to it is just all around just a really fucking enjoyable experience. Yeah, so this this album, it's really strange because if I had to compare it to something, I would compare it for something that, like, is kind of the same territory, but not even really. Um, that is Kai Winston's uh, No World Is Great As Mine. Yeah, but that one had a lot more darkness. That one it. was, like, creating a, an electronic world with diverse elements and making your own, making this whole entire space and electronica and making it yeah. to your own likening. This one's way more like positive and mm -hmm. bright, but it almost has this weird sense of anxiety to it too, which is amazing. Cause yeah. it's like at science, at times it's really about, um, just being overwhelmed in the world and trying to move past it and trying to, uh, essentially just breathe and grow as an individual. But like, also, at times, it's like, the world is very overwhelming because it's so beautiful. Yeah. And that's kind of the nice thing about it. It's like one of those Planet Earth montages where it's like, oh, that's, that's some really fucking good HD footage. Yeah. It's like, mm, the 4K. It's mm. kind of like, um, ah, fuck, what's it called? It was, it was, um, it was a documentary made by Werner Herzog about active volcanoes and to do it Werner Herzog just went and shot at an active volcano because Werner Herzog literally he like went up to the top of a volcano and just pissed into it at one point because Werner Herzog just doesn't give a fuck like it captures like the anxiety of like this is like a pure element of destruction <laughs> but at the same time like fuck is it beautiful to look at <laughs> that sounds like Werner Herzog yeah I found his use of Indytronica on this to be really interesting because it's usually Indytronica I think is it always warps in the war where it's kind of near moth rock, but it's yeah. never really super interesting. Yeah. Um, this is very sporadic and more experimental yeah. than a lot of Indytronica I've heard in I the past. That becomes more of just like, it's not just focusing on just Indytronica. It has like a lot more elements that's like playing around with like synth works yeah. and like just general indie music itself. Yeah. But also like the opening track become a mountain is just the flourishes of these just pianos. Oh my and it's God. completely swirling and weird. And the lyricism's about just like wanting to shut your eyes and avoid all the troubles in your life and just become something bigger than yourself. Yeah. Become a mountain. I think it's just so simple to the point And it makes this very breathtaking. This album is very breathtaking and breezy. It gives mm -hmm. a very forest, field like territory very naturalistic even though it's a ton of synthetic uh instruments being used a ton of yeah. synths being used on this um you have tracks like hypen hypagogic hypnagogic 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 let's say that uh which is this very like weird mountain peak sounding uh synth ambient moment which is awesome and it it it, it fucking transitions into sat by a tree so well mm. this album transitions really really Every, really yeah, really well. everything just keeps flowing and moving it so um you have the arp section which i think is really cool the only really complaint i say is that i think arp 2 and arp 1 should be combined because there really isn't enough a distinct difference yeah but the like i think the material on it's fine yeah um i just think there isn't that much a separation because ARP 3 has these like terrific saxophones and these like moody synth backdrop and this harsh synth buildup and it mm -hmm. feels like it's escalating to a momentous occasion. And then ARP 4 has these cool changing frequencies that just look like differ all over the place and seem super sporadic mm -hmm. and 
um, Contagious, which is really nice. Uh, Weeping Birch has this, like, mix of swirling keys with the swirling production to make this just, like, beautiful montage that gives you these ideas of, like, as I said, this, like, Planet Earth montage of, oh, this world's so beautiful and it makes yeah. me really anxious because it's, like, it's all so much. Yeah. Um, and then My Friend is this very, like, touching tribute to how he wished he could, uh, connect with a friend that has passed and he he says he can only see his friend when he shuts his eyes and he wish he can see them he wish he can see them when he opens them and that's the sad part but it's a nice mm. connection moment and it's very sweet and it fits like the atmosphere really fits the naturalist aesthetic and it fits the tone about i don't know how life is temporary but and that's what makes it anxious but also you can find anxiousness in the beauty yeah. it's all like one connected element that's very complex and interesting and lovely uh and then bubble bee crown king is just this very i think it's a little bit too long but i really enjoy the outro i think it's really fun sporadic has all these elements that previous tracks had it's just a nice closer of the essentially just the main thesis of this with this album is it's just sporadic strange synthetic naturalistic uh beautiful indie tronica yeah that's yeah. about it you pretty much covered like all the, the musical aspects of it this album is just it it's such a beautiful just experience of just being like wrapped up in this beautiful little snuggly cocoon of all these synth works <laughs> like like i said i described dan deacon as looking like he's a teddy bear of a man he makes teddy bear of music like it's just you feel just so comfortable yeah. Like being just wrapped up and in all this just, just because goodness. it's comfortable doesn't mean it doesn't get into like deep topics. No, yeah, like, because there's issues but, of mourning and like anxiety. But you like here. feel fine to go <laughs> yeah. into these. Like there's like two ways of like taking your audience through like dark topics. There's the fucking Lars von Trier way. You just like kick them in the dick and then push them <laughs> over the edge into it. You just say, ah, fuck you. And that's fine. There's a place for that. But then you have like the people who are like, hey, hey, bud. Let's let's go talk about these things. You have like the good like counselor way of doing it, where they put you on this nice little comfortable bed, and you can just talk about your problems in a safe environment. That's what this album is. This is just safe environment of dealing with like anxiety and all these things, and it's just such a beautiful, comfortable, fun to listen to album filled of just great synth work. Yeah, and this is a really good. Yeah, album. I just really enjoyed it. I yeah. thought it was really fun. Um, keep in mind all scores for you telling me this right now. I think this is like an eight. Yeah, this is an eight. Yeah, I've enjoyed it. I think it's an essential project. We had three essential projects. We had three essential projects, all within the eight range, and a fucking great day with a zero. (laughs) Zero. Okay, what if, if, if we have the essential projects list, what's, what's the unessential projects list? I mean, like, it's kind of essential to know that these albums exist exist? because of how bad they are. Yeah. I don't know what it would be called, though. Like, the worst of the worst? I don't know. Yeah. The best of the worst? No, because that, that would mean there were, there's some yeah. quality that's good. Well, it's the most notable bad. We need a, we need a name for I don't that. know, because, like, you have, like, IMDb has, like, the top 200 movies and, like, the bottom 100 movies. But these... Essential abominations? Essential abominations, <laughs> yes. <laughs> <coughs> We had three essentials and one <laughs> essential abomination. <laughs> That's good. I'll, I'll write that down in my notes so I remember that for later. Uh, yeah, that's it for this week. I really enjoyed it. We have to record two more episodes today, and I'm going to fucking die. I'm going to grab my water because I don't think I've used it at all this episode, even though I ran it for a while about yeah. Green Day. <laughs> so until next Waddy time. Waddy and Billy are just both shitheads. <laughs> Uh, until next time, guys, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook at Anthony Todd, YouTube.com forward slash the Anthony Todd Show. You can find us at Patreon.com forward slash the Anthony Todd Show on Google Play Podcast, Apple Podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, <laughs> Podbeam by searching Anthony Todd Show on your favorite podcast listening service. Uh, and that's it. Until next time, guys, I have been Vincent. And I've been John. Why, why, why'd you take so long to respond? I was just thinking about Billy and how much I hated him. <laughs> Ha <laughs>